Why don't we pray to start with? Lord, let your bells ring out this morning across the nation. Let your bells ring out to say that you are king. Let your bells ring out, Lord, across this nation so people can see who you are in fullness and as our king and savior. Let the bells ring out this morning, Lord, for this nation. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. As you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series looking at how we handle ourselves when we're facing challenges or difficult situations. Because the reality is, whilst we may not get to choose if we face trials or when we face them, whilst we may not get much to say in what difficulties we are going to have to face, we do have the ability to decide how we're going to respond to them. The first week we looked at the life of David and some of the challenges he faced and how he handled himself in and through great challenge and real rejection and deep disappointment. And one verse that seemed crucial in and through it all is found in 1 Samuel 36. And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is David's version of James 1, 2-4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is David's way as he is encouraged to us to keep our challenges and difficulties in proper perspective. So how do we strengthen ourselves and Lord our God when we are facing trials and challenges of many kinds? How are we to strengthen ourselves and the Lord our God when our light and momentary troubles feel to us like they're going to crush us and overwhelm us? Well, as we've looked one way is through the Bible, by immersing ourselves in the truth of his word and anchoring ourselves in it in times of challenges and in times of trouble. And by holding fast to the promises written on its every page. A second way we strengthen ourselves in the Lord is through the act of gratitude and thankfulness, which Neil looked at last week from the story of the ten healed of leprosy in Luke 17. Even in the midst of the most difficult challenges, through these simple acts of gratitude and thankfulness, we can find ourselves strengthened in the Lord. One of the most powerful ways we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord, like we've just done this morning, is through worship. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. So if you've got a Bible, please turn with me to Luke 7, verse 36. And let's take a look at this passage and see if it can help us as we think through ways in which we can be strengthened by the Lord through our worship, even when we find ourselves facing the most difficult challenges. So here we go, Luke 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, 
he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, with her, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Then he turned. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I have entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many, her, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. In this book, Why Christianity Makes Sense, Theologian N.T. Wright says, This is what worship is all about. It is the glad shout of praise that arises to God the Creator and to God the Rescuer from the creation that recognizes its Maker, the creation that acknowledges the triumph of Jesus the Lamb. This is the worship that's going on in heaven. That is the worship that's going on in God's dimension all the time. The question we ought to be asking is, how best we might join in. Worship is not about us, but it's all about him. The Westminster Catechism, written in 1646, states that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is what we're made for. We have been made to worship. We are designed to worship. We're made to worship. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson writes, the gods we worship write their names on our faces. Be sure of that. A person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behoves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshipping, we are becoming. Or as N.T. Wright puts it, we become like 
what we worship. When we gaze in awe, admiration and wonder at something or someone, we begin to take on something of the character of the object of that worship. And when we worship God, when we worship the Creator, as we join in with the heavenly throng, day and night crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we join in with the angel's song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Not only are we fulfilling our calling as creatures, not only are we stopping in stepping into the fullness of our true identity and all that he has called us to be, not only are we catching a glimpse of how we will spend eternity, but something happens to us and in us as we give glory to God, as we exalt him on his throne, as we cry, worthy is the lamb who was slain, God's presence comes. And his presence inhabits the praises of his people. We are transformed in the process. And we become more like him. Our spirits soar. And our hearts are strengthened. And our eyes are fixed on the king. And as our hearts cry out in worship, our light and momentary troubles somehow just become just that. In the context of the ages, in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, in the brilliance of his glorious light, all the darkness of whatever challenge we are facing is dispelled. And the truth of who he is, the truth of who we are in him, the truth of what's really important is revealed And so it matters. Worship matters. And we are to worship him no matter how we are feeling. We are to worship him when we feel like it or when we don't. Let's look at verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Here's this woman. And what we know about her from the text is that she lived a sinful life. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but most of the commentators think she was a prostitute and certainly for her life wasn't going that well. Here's someone who would have been facing some serious challenges and difficulties in her life. And here she is, this prostitute entering the house of a Pharisee, someone right on the opposite of the end of the social spectrum. To her, And how do you think she might have felt coming into this house to worship Jesus, to anoint Jesus' feet with perfume? She was bound to be afraid. She would have rightly have felt intimidated. She would be forgiven for feeling worthless and ashamed. But no matter how she was feeling, she was compelled to push through. No matter what she was feeling, She had to worship Jesus. She had heard that Jesus was going to be there and she wasn't going to allow any obstacle to get in the way 
of her act of worship. She was coming to worship him, no matter how she felt, ashamed, worthless, rejected, intimidated. We are to worship Jesus no matter how we feel. Because the truth is sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. Things get in the way. Can I encourage you this morning to push through, to push through the voices that say you're not worthy, to push through the things in your head that say don't come and worship because Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to worship him. He loves you and he loves your worship no matter how you feel. So we worship no matter how we feel. We worship no matter what has happened. The second thing is that we are to worship no matter what has happened. In verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Here's this broken-hearted woman weeping as she worships Jesus. Now maybe these tears are tears of joy. This woman has encountered Jesus and or and all he has done. And so maybe these tears are of thankfulness, tears of joy. Maybe there were tears of repentance, repentance for the life she has lived. Maybe they were tears of sadness for the regret of it all, for the wasting of so much of her life. We don't know why she was crying. All we know is that she wept and wept and wept. Sometimes our hearts are just broken. Sometimes our hearts are broken over regrets that we have. Sometimes our hearts are broken through grief or loss. Whatever it may be, we are to worship the Lord, no matter what's happened. A few years ago, I was leading a seminar at NLC with the lovely Alison Flowers. And I spoke about um, how important it is that we don't question what we know to be true in the light when the darkness comes. Inevitably, we all go through seasons of challenge. We all face our dark nights of the soul. And we're no longer sure which way is up. And we're filled with confusion and doubt and desperation. And we feel barren and hopeless. Someone who had every right to feel that way was Horatio Spafford who wrote one of the hymns that we sing at Southwest London Vineyard. It is well with my soul. Spafford was a Presbyterian lay preacher from Chicago and had established a successful legal practice as a young businessman and was a devout Christian. But in a saga reminiscent of Job, he lost his entire fortune. And in the, great, in the wake of the Great Fire of Chicago in 1871, he lost everything overnight. But the worst was yet to come. Thinking that it would be good for the family, his wife and four daughters, to get a break after all the difficulties they'd been through, Spafford planned a European trip for his family. Just before they were all about to leave, due to unexpected last-minute business developments, he had to remain in Chicago. But he put his wife and four daughters aboard a transatlantic liner boarded for Europe, and he planned to follow them in a few days. A couple of days later, 
into the voyage, the ship was struck by another vessel and sank in 12 minutes. Several days later, the survivors were finally landed at Cardiff and Mrs. Spafford sent a telegram to her husband, saved alone. Spafford left immediately to join his wife. And the hymn... And the hymn he is said to have penned as he approached the exact place in the ocean where the ship carrying his daughters had sunk was this, and this is what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea bellows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, we are to worship no matter what's happened. There's a prayer in Habakkuk 3.17 that says, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there, be, there may be no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though they are, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. We are to worship the Lord no matter what's happened. And when we come to the, that place of living lives fully surrendered to him, of choosing to worship him no matter what, he does something in us. He does something to us. He does, he does something through us that strengthens us and holds us and gives us faith for what lies ahead. And some of you here this morning are going through really challenging situations. And some of you have been through some really hard things. And the fig tree is not in blossom. And there are no grapes in the vines. The fields have no, produced no food. There are no sheep in their pen and no cattle in the stalls. And yet, this morning, the Lord is inviting each one of us to worship him. This morning, the Lord is inviting each one of us to choose to rejoice in the Lord, to choose to be joyful in God, our Savior, because we worship him no matter what. And finally, we worship him with all that we have. We worship him with all that we have. Our worship is meant to be extravagant, our worship is meant to be a sacrifice. Worship is meant to cost us everything that we have and all that we are. Have a look at verse 44. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. We see a similar example of this extravagant worship in John's Gospel. Then she took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. 
He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. What does extravagant worship look like? Extravagant means exceeding the limits of reason, lacking in moderation and restraint. Extravagant means extremely and excessively elaborate, spending much more than necessary. And the Holy Spirit is calling us to excessive worship. We're to be extravagant in our worship to God. Extravagant worship means to be elaborate in our offering of love to him. Our worship is to be extravagant. And we are to worship him with everything we have, no matter how we feel, no matter what's happened. We are invited to worship him with all that we have, all the time. This woman allowed nothing to get in the way of her offering of worship. And we are to do the same. She overcame so many obstacles just that she could worship the Lord. Sometimes there are things that get in the way of our worshiping the Lord. The way that we feel, maybe we are feeling discouraged or disheartened, doubtful or dismayed. And the last thing we feel like doing is worshipping God. Maybe the things we're going on around us are overwhelming and confusing. And we just can't see God in the midst of it all. And so our circumstances are getting in the way of us and the Lord. Because of Jesus and all that he has done, no matter how we are feeling, no matter what is going on in our lives, or in the lives of those around us, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Because Jesus died on the cross, and because he rose again from the dead, there is nothing that can separate us from that. And there is nothing that should become between us and our worship of the Lord. And Luke 7 is about a story about a woman who overcomes so many obstacles, including her own fears and her own circumstances, to worship the one who brings the message of hope and redemption in extravagant worship. This morning, can I encourage you, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, to, to choose to push through it all and worship him with all that you have, and as the fragrance of our sacrifice of worship goes before the Lord, his presence will come and inhabit the praises of his people. And somehow, through the mystery of the kingdom of God, in and through it all, we ourselves are transformed into ever, with ever-increasing glory into the image of his Son. We become like we worship. We gaze in awe and admiration and wonder at something or someone. We begin to take on something of the character of the object of our worship. And when we worship God, when we worship the Creator, and we join in with the heavenly throng day and night, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
and with joy and with the angel's song, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Not only are we fulfilling our calling as creatures, not only are we stepping into the fullness of our true identity and all that he has called us to be, not only are we catching a glimpse of how we will spend eternity, but something happens to us. And as we give glory to God, as we exalt him on his throne, as we cry, worthy is the lamb who was slain, God's presence comes, and his presence inhabits the praises of his people. We are transformed in the process, and we become more like him. Our spirits soar, our hearts are strengthened, and our eyes are fixed on the king. And as our hearts cry out in worship, our light and momentary troubles somehow just are that. And in the context of the ages, in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, in the brilliance of his glorious light, all the darkness of whatever challenge we are facing is dispelled. And the truth of who he is and the truth of who we are in him, the truth of what's really important are all revealed. So why don't you stand and let's worship. <laughs>